Guys, David Vos here. Well, it's another beautiful day in Alabama and still cloudy and not really raining, but you know, just misty and cloudy. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Guys, you know, yesterday we did that video and uh, if you didn't watch that video, you probably should. I got a lot of uh, feedback. People were saying it, it was uh, very interesting and, and they enjoyed it. And so I, I, I was thinking about that. I think, you know, it'd probably be good if we did a little bit more of that. You know, just studying deeply the meaning of these words and, and these things that we were very familiar, familiar with. I think everybody was familiar with the story of Jacob to some extent and how he anointed the rock and made Bethel. Which, you know, there's so much we could go into on that. I think we'll get back to that at some point. But what I had in mind to do today was kind of carry along the same ideas and methods that we were using in yesterday's video and start from Genesis chapter 1. Just because, why not? Let's start from the beginning. And, you know, perhaps we'll do more after... If this goes well and if people think this is something they'd like to to see more of. But I uh, was looking on Bible Hub and they do have this Orthodox Judean Bible. And the only reason I would want to use it, not that it would be more accurate or anything, except that what's interesting about this translation is that wherever they have some of these names, they use the Hebrew name like Elohim and things like this. So we know what we're we're up against before we even click over to the interlinear or whatever. And it might be helpful. And it's kind of a more literal sense as well. And, you know, as far as the translation, that we're, we're not going to really care about what their translation is because we're going to take a look at these words from a point of view that I don't think you've ever ever heard before. Um, I'm, I believe that that this ancient language that we have they, they they claim the bible was written in hebrew that's what we call it today i don't believe that language ever really existed i believe that they invented it around the time of christ we've done videos on that and these talmudic scribes they they were using like all the other people in the world were using the septuagint and it was written in greek that was their bible now the story about the Septuagint is that they translated it from some other manuscripts. It may have been considered a Hebrew language, but it was not the block letter modern Hebrew language that we're looking at today. It was nothing like that. So it was a different language. Even if it's called Hebrew, it's a different language than what we think of as Hebrew. And what I have found and what I do know, and I won't spend a lot of time explaining why, is that that language that the Septuagint was translated from, the Greek, that when Jesus was on the earth, they read the Bible in Greek, because that was the universal language at the time. The Greco-Roman world, that's what they spoke. For a long time, it was all Greek. And then, after that, it became Latin. So, 200 BC, when they did the um, Septuagint, everybody spoke Greek. And so imagine, I don't think people understand 200 years. That's a long time. 
That's as long as America, you know, 1776, 1976 was 200 years. And so we've gone beyond 200 years and it may seem like not very long because we know a lot about George Washington and the Constitution and all this history. Because today we've got computers and we've got libraries and all this stuff. You can imagine living in a world where there wasn't that much information. You didn't have a local newspaper every day. You didn't really know what happened 50 years ago, right? If just by word of mouth, they really didn't know. So, I'm, what I believe is that the language that the Bible was originally written in was this kind of a Canaanite, Ugaritic, Phoenician, Egyptian language. The prophet Joseph Smith said, that that was the case, that these ancient Hebrews, as we call them, from Eber, spoke a language which was kind of mixed with like Greekish, Phoenician, Egyptian letters. So whatever that language was. And, and I'm saying that because what I want to explain to you guys is that what I believe is that not only is this going to be the reason why we don't understand the Bible? Because it's not, we don't have the right, the early manuscripts, we don't have the actual words. We have words that are translations. I mean, I believe even the Hebrew is a translation of the Hebrew, right? Because that's not Hebrew. And the Greek was a translation of whatever language it was. So we don't have, now we have the original New Testament. It was written in Greek, Koine Greek. And that's the only word of the divine that we have, that we need. Because that was the word, the message, the gospel that was once for all delivered by the apostles. They were sent to give us this word. Jesus is the word. He came 2,000 years ago and our Bible is the New Testament. But we need the testimony or the prophecies of all the peoples of the world. And I believe that these the, the prophetic word, the prophecies about the coming of Christ and all this esoteric wisdom came from places like the Great Pyramid. That's one of the main original places that Enoch, who was the one who got this information, wrote it all down. And the pillar of Enoch is the Great Pyramid. Now, of course, that's not the only place that you could find this information, except that there was this flood in this local area around the Middle East. And even though there might not have been a world flood as we understand it, there have been, remember, Atlantis was thousands of years ago. And it lasted for hundreds of thousands of years. So, a lot of what we read in the Bible, from Genesis 1 to Noah, that According to our Bible, it's only about 1,600 years, maybe 2,000 years, according to one, you know, the Septuagint. But all of that 2,000 years that we think only was 2,000 years might have been hundreds of thousands of years. So this is why Adam lived 900 years or more. Because, I mean, it's incredible that somebody could live 1,000 years, right? Well, what they're not telling you is that these are either epics, not literal people, but epics, a king would reign for 30,000 years in the Egyptian chronologies or the Sumerian. But in our Bible, it's only 900 years. Well, and in our Bible, they didn't reign for 900 years. They 
They reigned for like 30 and then they had a son and he reigned or something. And they don't say that they reigned. They just say it's just like a genealogy. But they have these genealogies in, in, in Sumerian and Egyptian and Babylonian, Akkadian, all of this. And they talk about them as though they were kings or gods. And as we have shown in many videos, uh, Anu is our Noah. Anu had three sons. He divided up the world. Noah had three sons. Divided up the world. So, what we're going to read here is Genesis chapter 1, which is going back, you know, millions of years to the beginning. And it wasn't, and, and since there was never a creation of the universe out of nothing, before we even read an accurate translation, we can already assume that it doesn't actually say, in the beginning, God created, meaning out of nothing. Somehow or another, this is mistranslated. And we've talked about this before, but I'm going to do this because I've had some revelations on some of these words and languages. Like I said, I believe now that this ancient truth came from Atlantis. This is what, it didn't just spontaneously occur language, you know, 4,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago with Abraham. And these words that the Judeans put together kind of like a Reader's Digest version of all this ancient wisdom that you find in Sumerian Egypt and everything. These words have been... It's the same thing is going on today where you have translations of translations and it's, it's obscured. We don't know the meaning of many words like faith and salvation and, you know, we don't know what Christ means. We don't know what any of these words mean. And we're not translating a lot of things like these names, Abimelech. And we don't know what El means. We don't know what Baal means. We don't know any of these words. I mean, it's like, maybe, maybe they know some of words like the or running or something or tree. Maybe they know what a tree is. But do they know what that word originally was? Like it's a description of what we understand as tree. We call it a tree, so it's translated tree. But perhaps the word wasn't just a word that is kind of like our word tree, just you got to memorize the word. But perhaps it was a description. Perhaps the word is really an energy growth from the ground, or I don't know, I'm just, you know, it could be some kind of a descriptive word, and we don't even know, therefore, the essence of what a tree is in connection with this ancient wisdom that we just don't know anymore. And what I've come to understand is that it would be a job beyond human ability to translate the Bible now correctly in, 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 a, in a moment. It would take many years and it would, you would have to have the Holy Spirit. But the one thing that we can do that I believe I'm, I'm, the Holy Spirit is guiding me into some, some deeper understanding of is these words and names. And I believe that the roots go back to some Egyptian type ancient language. Like, give me give you an example. We think that the names of the divine are, we, we didn't even know this a few years ago. We thought the name of the divine was Yahweh. That's all. Now we find out that there's Elohim. Like, for instance, even where it says Yahweh, it's always Yahweh Elohim. And they will tell you, oh, it's Yahweh. You know, like the New World Translation is like Jehovah God. Like, he's a God and that's his name, Jehovah. 
And yet, what's interesting, and we'll see this here, there's other words, but we're not aware of it. Like Ruach Elohim. All the way through the Old Testament. Well now, is Ruach another name? Just like Yahweh? See, that would be interesting if that were true, but we wouldn't even know it. And what really is Ruah? Well, it's a combination of two roots. Ru, or Ra, or, you know, all of those, whether it's, because remember, it's in, in, in Hebrew, it's right to left, and we go from left to right. So it's all backwards now. That's one of the things that's happened. Not only, you know, when, the, when Yahweh confused the languages, he didn't just, you know, make up whole different languages, but he, he turned the, the original language upside down, backwards, rearranged things. It's crazy. So, you, you know, today we say Ra for so this Egyptian deity, supreme deity. But in Greek, it's or. But it's just, it's just a vowel and an R. And that R is the, literally, it's got a, that little, you know, and even today when we have a, a, a the letter R, a small letter R, it's a line up and down, straight line, and there's a little hook. Well, that originally was a picture. It's a pictograph. And that represented a bird. Now, you know, it it's come down to different birds and maybe different time periods and stuff. But sometimes they used it with like an eagle or a hawk or a phoenix. So, pay close attention to what I'm saying here because this is kind of the root of why I want to do this. And if you can... Understand what I'm saying here. You'll see that why this is so important, this work. And I may, I may really go deep into this because I really believe that, that this is going to pay a lot of dividends. Understanding, getting deeper and understanding these letters and words and stuff. So let's go back. Let's see if we can figure some of this out. Now, we may not be able to figure all of it out, certainly. We may only be scratching the surface. But just for instance, so the little r, a small r, lowercase, Looks like a little straight line with a hook. And that's a bird originally that came from the eagle's nose or the hawk nose. What does a hawk represent? Well, it was a deity. It was a representation of Ra. Well, isn't that interesting? Ra today even starts with an R. And, and of course, the vowels, they didn't have vowels. It's just an R. It's just a picture of a little bird. What does Ra mean? Well, today... We have this word, radiation, radiate, uh, or as in gold, shiny, glowing yellow like the sun. Um, but we literally have that word in our language, it's called ray. And we know what a ray is. I mean, even though today we can say... Uh, other kinds of ray, not just a ray of light, we can use energy rays or, or whatever. But originally it was a sun ray. So it's light, light rays. Well, interesting because Ruach, they say it means spirit. Okay. Well, we don't even know what spirit means, right? Here's why. Because we don't know the meaning of the root. It's ray. Now the Last part of Ruach is Ak. Now, in Egyptian, that is the the Ankh or the Ak, which is the symbol of life. So what 
it would be is the rays or the light of life, the energy of life. And that would be the definition of spirit, literally, because we, we know they're, we, we're, we're like closing in on discovering the meaning, the original meanings of these words. So perhaps we're never going to be able to understand this until we go back to the original. Since we don't have the original, well, I take that back. I think we have the original. We have the original language, I believe. Well, who knows if it's the original language that Adam spoke, but it's the most original, and it's the basis for our Christian teachings, which is the Egyptian language, which is called hieroglyph. The reason we know that it is the original is because hiero means holy, and glyph means writing. And so the holy scripture or the holy writings is the hieroglyphs. And I believe this is the source for all of the the temple esoteric wisdom written by Enoch on that temple wall. So I think Egyptian is a very important language to look at for the root and the meanings. And we'll see that here in a minute. All we can do is see if we can surmise if if this was the original, say, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, and it's they translated Ruach Elohim, and, and they now say that means the spirit of God, which, you know, we know they're completely losing so much of, the, of this in the translation because we know that Elohim is plural. They don't seem to understand. Why? Because all the nations believed in these powers, and they had these animals, and they were the deities, their astrological powers. So, here's this eagle-like ray that represents Ra, the sun, or the rays of the sun, an act which represents the spirit. Well, here's what the Goggle brothers say. What is Ak in Egyptian? So, Ru, Ak. Ak is the spirit of ray. Hmm. Ray, Ru, Ray, you know, Ruach, which encapsulates the concept of light the transfigured, you know, ray, <laughs> light, the transfigured spirit of a person that becomes one with the light after death. Well, here's Britannica, Ak, the Egyptian religion, the spirit of a deceased person, and with the Ka and the Ba, a principal aspect of the soul. By enabling the soul to assume temporarily any form it desired for the purpose of revisiting the earth for its own enjoyment. So here it's, integrated with the very concept of reincarnation is right in the Hebrew Bible. The Ak characterized the soul of a deceased person as an effective entity in the next world. The, the word Ruach is the ray of this spirit, this light ray, that is the very word that is a doctrine or teaching which is the original teaching written by Enoch himself in the great pillar of Enoch or the great pyramid, which is explaining this concept of reincarnation and entering into the next world. And then it talks about the Ba, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. Ba in ancient Egyptian religion with the Ka and the Ak, a principal aspect of the soul. The Ba appears in the bird form thus expressing the mobility of the soul after death. Originally written with the sign of the 
Jabiru bird and thought to be an attribute of only the deity king. The Ba was later represented by a man-headed hawk, often depicted over mummies of kings and commoners. And there's a picture of it. And so Ruach, then, is literally a divine name. And that's why it's Ruach Elohim. So if you look in the interlinear, and we'll probably do that as we go here, but some of this I'm just going to have to tell you, and you can look it up for yourself, because we ain't got much time. If we're going to go look up every word, it would take us ages to cover a paragraph. But trust me, when I've looked these things up, and in the actual word-for-word interlinear, it just says Ruach Elohim. There's no of. It doesn't say Ruach of the Elohim. But it does in the translation. It says the spirit of God. Right? There's an of in there. But when they go Yahweh Elohim, they don't go Yahweh of Elohim. In other words, Yahweh of the gods. You know, they want you to believe that Yahweh is the gods. Well, how could be one being? They all, they even believe their God, Yahweh, is one person. You know, the Lord Yahweh, our deity, is one deity, right? Do they mean, you know, you could speculate that it's a, it's a whole bunch of powers, the Elohim, and, and they're all one, like a marriage or something. Maybe that would be kind of like a trinity. But Judeans, they don't like that. They don't know. We don't believe in no unity. It's just one person. That's it. The Father, you know, whatever. They don't even call him the Father, right? But, so that gives us grounds. We can understand that Ruach Elohim is a divine being. And, and now we realize that, like we saw yesterday, that this, uh, that it's not just El. Or Yahweh, this throughout our Bibles. We've got all kinds of divine beings in there. We just didn't know. Ra is throughout the whole story. Ra'el. We, you know, we talked about Nahor. What is Nahor? Well, Na is backwards. An. Na and or An. So that's heaven. And Or is light. So it's the heavenly light. Nahor, which is the father of Haran. An again is high. And Har is like or or light. So it's the heavenly light. And we were talking about that. Law and L is the same word because after thousands of years, we go back and forth because of Yahweh confusing the language. Since we know that after we look at this, we can begin to see how he confused the language by having a word in Greek being completely backwards to a word maybe in Egyptian. And yet, if you turn it around, it's the same word. This is what it is. So law, to, and, and it's so interesting how even to this day in English, Spanish, Greek, every word, every language practically, law or L is the. Now, what is the? What is this definite article? Well, they're like, if you use the definite article, then you know whether the noun is known to the reader. And we got all these rules, but we don't have any idea why we're saying any of this. Because the means the one. And one is O-N-E or an or heaven or the whole. And the whole is also related to O or all or L. So in different languages, these are the same words for some of the same deities. Now, with that in, with that explanation, let me, let me share something with you to start with. So it says in this Orthodox Jewish Bible, 
in the beginning, Elohim created Hashomayim. And then they actually tell you that that means the heavens. And Haritz, the earth. So, we're then told that there wasn't anything. That there was a creation. And before the creation, there wasn't anything. I don't know why more people don't say, well, that cannot be true. But nobody ever says that very often. I mean, I've heard a couple of people mention this like, well, that's kind of weird. But nobody really, you know, challenges this because it, it does seem to be an unsurmountable fact that you cannot take anything from nothing. Zero has nothing in it and you can't get any variables out of zero. So if there was nothing that ever existed and it just popped into existence, that can't be. So there's two words here that I want to concentrate on. We've got in the beginning and created. So I, this is a very odd word because it, 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 you know we've gotten used to this word in the beginning, this, this phrase. It's also in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with the divine, and, and the Word was divine. Well, it's apparent from that that in the beginning does not mean that it all began there. Time began, and space began, and earthliness, and, you know, because remember, it's, it, if you're reading Genesis 1, it's like there's a void, and it's empty, and you know, there's nothing there, and, and light didn't even appear yet. So this is like before the creation of the world, literally, evidently. And so it's like, okay, we get the impression that this divine being is just floating out there in the darkness of space. But no, it can't be floating in space, because space hasn't been made. And we'll show that. We'll show that from the text. The uh, This word... Twa and Ba, or Vavho. Tohu and Vavho, which is kind of like Ta, and you can replace the V with a B. We'll, we'll discuss that in a minute, because these two things, Twa and Ba, they are the two animals that are before all, in all the ancient esoteric wisdom, Egyptian, Hebrew, and everything, Greek, these are these two great beasts that stand before and guard the throne. So whoever this divine being is, it's guarded by these two beast-like animals. Now, in Egyptian, they're uh, a leviathan alligator kind of thing and a behemoth, which is what they call it, a, a behemoth, which is what we today call the hippopotamus and the so so in egyptian or in sumerian i should say it's called tiamat for the hebrew tohu and so it really tiamat is where we get the word time so that is why in in this translation it says in the earth was toa and va hohu Without form and void. Now, what does it mean without form? Well, it's because it was without Toa, or time, and Vabhohu, which is space. The behemoth is like this 
it's a it's a monster that's very big and and wallows in the sea. And so the Tiamat is like a big dragon, like an alligator with got seven heads. It's always pictured with many heads because it's cyclical, it's time. So these two beasts, time and space, are the two things, <laughs> creatures, concepts, that guard the throne, which is before time and space, the divine being. But remember, we're not talking about the beginning in the sense of time and space because time and space didn't exist. So this is before time and space, meaning that is the eternal infinite. And we're not really talking about creation in time or space, but we're talking about the source of time and space. We're talking about the source. So it, we're not even talking about, you know, when we say the beginning, we certainly cannot be talking about the beginning of time. In English, that's what we mean when we say beginning. I mean, when I started at the beginning of time. Well, if we use the word beginning, we might be talking about the beginning of doing any one thing or another. But this is the beginning of the creation. So, it's like right when time began. However, that's not what it means because the creation is the creation of time and space itself. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but if this were translated correctly, it would not then say in the beginning. Some translations say at the beginning, but again, that's incorrect. It, it is more correct to say in the beginning only because technically if the beginning is a, a time when time itself began, then if you're in that very moment of the beginning, you're in the infinite right? Before the beginning began. So it's really saying in the beginning, it says in, in the infinite existence of all the universe, this is going to be the source, this infinite source of all things. And all things come from time and space. So this is really very complex. And it's not translated correctly. I don't believe it should say in the beginning, but probably should be translated from all eternity is really the way that should be translated or something like that. And then we get to this word created. Let me show you in the Hebrew here, or whatever, I don't know what language we're going to, what word we're going to describe this ancient language, but their own word as they see it, we go to the interlinear, and it says created is ba-ra. Now, that's two roots, ba and ra. Well, right away, we see that raw. That's light. And ba, what could that be? Remember, we are going back to the original. In the Egyptian, the ba, a lot of people say it's like a soul. But not really the soul, because they had three words, and we're not quite sure what each of these three words. They have the ba, the ka, and the ak. And that was the, so the ba was that part that left your body. And as I said, it's represented as a bird, some kind of a bird, sometimes a hawk or a different type of bird. We're not completely certain, but it appears that Ba is like the spirit. It's that invisible part of you that leaves when you, when you pass away in the physical. Now, the Ka is what they call the double, and we're not quite sure what that is, but that could be your soul or something like that. We're just getting generalities here because, like I said, we cannot be certain with absolute 
absolute certainty exactly the meaning. But we do know that it has something to do with some thing like spirit that leaves your body. So if Ba is like spirit and Ra is like the ray of light, then what we're really saying when we're using this word created is that it is the spiritual radiation. It's the source of all of this energy and power. So we're really not talking about created, certainly not in the sense of that English word. We understand it to mean making something out of nothing, creation, right? Although we do use the word creation in other ways, like when we look around at Mother Nature, we say, look at all creation, as if to say the beautiful material universe. But I think we get the idea when you combine this in the beginning and understand that it means in, in the infinite, we've got this ray of light, this ray of, or this energy that is sort of invisible power, this invisible force or ray that is radiating from infinite time. And what is it radiating from? From the Elohim or the powers. This is the, the powers that be that really are beyond time and space, which includes all of us. The entire whole, this is the word L, the all. So what we have to understand that is that, that this means that the all was in the infinite and was radiating out this invisible power. That's literally a much better translation than what we actually have. And it's not just that we're mistranslating this one, one line. Imagine now the rest of the scriptures. If you, if you watch that video we did yesterday, you'll see that, that whoever wrote the Bible the way they did, it had to have inspired by, been inspired by the divine because no one could have put all these names like Rochelle, Leah, all of these names, and somehow hidden this all from human beings, not even realizing that in our Bible we have not just Yahweh or El, but we have Ra, we have so many other of these divine powers being manifested. So it goes on, down and it says, uh, let's go back to the, the words so that we can look at it in context. It says, and the earth was Toa and Vavohu. In other words, was without time and space. It was, that's why they've translated it void and empty. Empty, because there's no space, without space. And void, because it doesn't have time. That, that's the true meaning of this void and empty. No time and space. Not meaning that, that everything began there, but only that the material universe has its source in the infinite. That's all it's saying. And now notice this. And... Darkness was on the face of the deep. Okay, so there was not yet consciousness. All right, not in the material realm. Because consciousness needs to develop 
through experience. That's what consciousness is. We need to go through all the experiences. And remember, this isn't talking about a particular time when there was no consciousness and there was no light. What this is talking about is where the light or consciousness comes from, the infinite, from the Ra, Ba. And then it says, and the Ruach Elohim was hovering upon the face of the waters. That is feminine gender. So now we find out that it wasn't a male divine bearded guy up in yonder heavens that made the universe, but that this these powers, Elohim, have many names and many aspects. One of them is Yahweh of the Elohim or Yahweh Elohim. One of them is Ruach Elohim. According to the Orthodox Jewish Bible, this is a specific name, Ruach Elohim. And as we've said, Ruach is a word that has two roots, Ra and Ak. What were we talking about before when we said, now remember what we were just saying, there's Ba and Ka and Ak. And these have something to do with that, something like the spirit or the soul. So here we have Ak, which is the spirit. And raw, which is the radiation or, or the light. So literally the light of life. That is a power, one of these Elohim. And that light of life was hovering upon the face of the waters. But what are these waters? Oh my goodness. Take a look at this. The word waters is well, let's look at this. It's because ha ma'im is, is the whole tense and everything else. The word is literally ma'im. Ma'im. It's very close to the word mom. Take a look as we show you what their own definition has. Notice there the word in Assyrian. M-U. Mu. Okay, that's like ma, right? Plural is me. Also, mamu. Well, that is a Sumerian deity, and it is a feminine person. It is the mama. Obviously, mamu is a feminine word. And so, this word is really the, the, one of the original words. Because the, all the original words are going to be words that define something from the very beginning. Because those would be the highest and most divine, important, powerful things the most enduring, those things that existed at the root. Now, some things can be brought forward, more distinct little variables and things that will come later. But in the very beginning, we have the ultimate, we'll call them original powers. In ancient esoteric wisdom, they called them the pleroma, or the fullness or the great powers that be. So, then it says, and Elohim said, well, El is the all, and here the all is plural, meaning all the variables of the all. They somehow could speak. Now, if they didn't have bodies yet, because remember they hadn't even made man, and we're going to find out the divine beings that existed before material things, if you haven't yet made Adam, which is the image or the form in which which becomes the tabernacle for the divine, 
the image or the form is the tabernacle of the divine, which would be obvious because we're talking about the infinite spiritual rays of light that were before the time. It's the infinite. It's the source of the material. So they're not literally, there's not some beings sitting up there with beards and, you know, some are women, some are men. They're all sitting around a table laughing and they're like speaking and flying through, they got wings and they're flying through the universe with little wands and poof, I say there will be an earth and poof, there will be water and poof, there'll be trees. This is not what this is saying at all. So how then could it be said that these powers could speak? Because we're, we're all, we've been teaching here that the word is what makes all things and that, you know, mind over matter that we can literally speak. We can say to that mountain, be moved that the whole universe was framed by the word and Jesus is the word. Simply because, as we've said, this is not the beginning of time. As long as there's been a divine being who had mind, which is invisible spirit, that's what that is, he was always imagining and imaging is forming. And forming comes from thinking and thinking puts together the thoughts into forms, which are words. That's really what this word is, the form. That's why it's called in the New Testament, Jesus is called the glory or the uh, image, the form of the divine being. So these divine powers, all of us, you see, because if we are entities and intelligent beings at this moment, it's only because we have come from the source and we were there in the source. Jesus tells us we are the Elohim. He looked at the people that he was speaking to, his disciples, and he said, ye are the Elohim. All of you will die like men, but you are the Elohim. And so we are the ones who speak at any given moment. We are our entity, our being, our thoughts itself. That's the infinite. Thought that so when you say, well, something bad happened and uh, it's already over, it's done, my life is ruined. No, no, no. Because you, your mind, your thoughts are before time. You can pray for things that have already happened and reverse it. I've done it. Because whenever you have this moment of intent, this absolute thought, and you know, it's like being in a dream and you're dreaming some terrible monster. And then all of a sudden, poof, the monster's gone and you're in paradise. Well, what happened? The mon you know, have you ever heard where people have said that you're in a dream and, and you're, maybe you die in your dream? Well, they always say you don't ever die in your dream. Because at that moment, you're about to die. Boom, something pops out of the woodwork. Somebody comes to save you or the, the scenery changes and something else happens. It's just your mind playing out concepts, but your mind cannot imagine not being. So you, it's impossible to imagine that you died. And therefore, all of us who live in this world, we imagine our life as finite and that somehow we're going to be laying there and it's going to be our last breath. That can never happen because in that last moment, you could cut that moment in half. You can cut that half of a moment in half and have a fourth. You can cut it in half and in half for infinite, for infinity. Your thoughts are infinite. 
There is no time and space in your being. And so, when we speak, it's because we're imagining. And that image is caused by a ray of the light. That's what creation is. Ba-ra. The spirit of this power of light. And then there was light. There was the image, whatever we decided it to be. And, as it says, there was light. And Elohim saw the light. So we're both the ones who speak and the ones who see. You see, everything is contained within us. The powers, the only powers which live in the infinite, which is mind. And there are a certain number of these powers. They have these certain names. Many of the nations have said there are 72 of the names of the divine. And each of them represents something like the mind, the will, the intent, love, faith, goodness, forethought, all of these kinds of things. And so it says, Elohim, or El, the All, divided the or. See, in, in Hebrew, it's not necessarily Ra, but it's or. It's the same word. And, because they're just using different, remember, there are no vowels in this language. So it's just an R. You see, it's just this little bird with the, with the little beak who is flying on, on, on the wind. And the powers that be divided the light from the darkness. So that's consciousness. When Elohim speaks and then sees, he speaks and he sees what he spoke. He speaks and forms a word, an image, and then the image he reflects back to himself. This is the negative and the positive, the male and the female. And everything is reflected in the water, and that water is mama. And so it's Ruach Elohim is the feminine that was hovering over the waters. And it was the Elohim, then, all of the powers that be, that created. But the first of the beings that reflected the light, that had some kind of ability to reflect this light or consciousness was feminine, mama. And so Elohim, or the all, called the light dia. Dia may be the word day, but it's also the word divine. Okay? The light is what is divine. That's why the Bible says that the divine being is light. That's what it is. And so, here it is, the powers that be are speaking and imaging and it's reflecting back on the feminine side and the male lifts the veil of the woman in order to understand himself. I mean, he can speak and he can say things, he can form images, but unless he sees the reflection, like the Apostle Paul says, we lift the veil that's what we do at a wedding. We lift the veil. And we look into, behind the veil, the Shekinah, the glory. So the woman is the glory, is the source of the man's consciousness. Whereas the man is also the source of the woman's existence. And therefore, we are one. It's like a figure eight. It's, it's the whole that you can cut 
to left and right or up and down, male and female. And so it says, and the darkness he called Layla. But now get this. The, the all, the Elohim, said, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw that the light, that it was tall or good. And Elohim divided the O-R, the or, which is light, from the Choshik, which is darkness. And Elohim called the light Yam, which is day. Now, here's what's interesting. That word, if you look it up, is somewhere in the 3000s in Strong's, like 3022 or something. And 317 is Yam, which they is translated sea. Now, there are cases where Yam and Yam are identical when you write them. In now, so remember, he calls the light Yam. In Egyptian, Yam is C. But look at Om and turn it around, and it's Mom, right? It's Ma. Well, also in Egyptian, you have Mult. The T is silent, mu, and that is mom. Tiamat is tiamu, tiama, and she's the great mother. Time. So here, time and day is the same word, and yet Tiamat's also considered the great sea. If you go to the Assyrian, they have a word umu, or mu, or ma, and it means mother. The C, mama, is feminine. And as we know, it's the Ruach Elohim, feminine, the divine Ruach Elohim, that it says here in Genesis chapter 1, spreads her wings and hovers over the waters. Now, wings? Uh, what is this, a mythology? We, we're, oh, wow, Christians, we don't like mythologies and all these deities with wings and all stuff, right? Well, there she is. And she has wings. Okay, she's some kind of a uh, a beautiful, beautiful bird. Oh, well, I thought this was uh, the third member of the Godhead didn't have a body. It's just wind. Well, evidently she's got a beautiful Beautiful angelic body with wings outstretched. They would they would unfold and cover the entire waters of the earth and through her mothering spirit give life. Now that's a divine being. So she's hovering over the waters. Well, the word for waters, which is Naim. Or mom. So, why? The other thing here is that they're saying that the word yam means day. Well, would have to, right? Because the other word, the darkness, he called night. And you can go throughout the entire Old Testament and see the word day and night, and it's used all the time. Yam 
hen Lila. But the odd thing is, is that it's usually used for day in the sense of a 24-hour day. And in this context, it would seem that it should be a 24-hour period because he's talking about the day and the night, right? And that doesn't happen over, like, you wouldn't necessarily say over a period of a year, there's a day and night. Well, would that be a half a year's night and a half a year's, well, maybe winter and summer in some way. But day is kind of specifically the 24-hour day or even the 12-hour daylight as opposed to the 12-hour nighttime. Yet, several times, I think over 40 times, the word yom is used for a year. And in many people are talking about the day for a year thing in prophecy where, you know, the 70 weeks, it just says 70 weeks, but we take it at 70 weeks of years. Because many say that yom doesn't really mean day, it just means a period. Any kind of long period. How about, could it mean time? We're not sure. But I will tell you one thing. Neither is this translation certain. It, they, we don't really know what these words mean. Because just about every nation has the word yam that means sea. And just about every nation has the word u or mu or mama that means mother or some variation of it. As we said, tayamu or mut. So that's what, I, what I'm trying to say is that we don't really know whether this word just means day. Now, what, what could it possibly be then? If, it could, if this word yam can mean sea and it can mean day and it can mean time, or any kind of period, then what, what does it really possibly mean? Well, one thing when you look at the ocean, it looks vast. All right, well, vast is not what the substance of the water is, but it's what you feel when you look at it because it's so large. The other thing, too, is that we have uh, the word waters in the book of Revelation. And there it tells us that the waters mean peoples and crowds and nations. The, remember, the, the beast sits on many waters. And there it tells us that the many waters means many peoples. So possibly the word means many or much or vast and doesn't specifically refer to time or water, but anything that is vast and much because Certainly the oceans are much, they're vast, they're many, and they could refer to the ocean of people or the ocean of time or the ocean of light, which, you know, when it shines, opens up a, a, a grand vista. It's vast. I mean, you can see for forever out there and you can't see the other side, right? The ocean's so vast. And and remember, you're you're living in the world before we had these pictures where we could look down and they told us we're living on this little globe floating around in space. So you're just standing here on the earth and you look out at the beach off the ocean and you're like, it's vast. Where does it end? Nobody knows. And it's deep. And 
it was beneath the earth, basically. It went, you could go down and swim, and people could go deep. And they knew it was deep. They called it the deep. And so they understood that heaven was way up there. They didn't know how far it went. They didn't know how far the stars were. But they knew it was way up there. That was a deep too. But beneath was deep. And so everything on from the ground up was one thing. Heaven, Father. And everything from the ground down was the ocean, the mother. And the water was where everything seemed to have come from. We see. And mother and father would get together and they would be productive and they would produce things. You know, uh, Mother Earth would provide for us the things we needed, the clothing, the food, the comfort, the love. She was always there and her wisdom was vast. And it seemed like everybody came from a woman because she was able to give birth and she nurtured us all in her arms and in her love. But what really was this depth? Well, we think of it as a place. And we think of time as something else. But you see, time or a day, a period, not necessarily a day, as we say, it's not 24 hours, but time. Time, times and a half a time, which is seven, you know, which is three and a half times, which is three and a half years. So a time, they call it a time. So how, how is this depth time? It's another dimension. It's the aspect of the toi and the ba, right? The deep, the space, the, the it comes from nowhere, the depths of darkness, you can't see what's there. And out of this woman's womb comes everybody and all this intelligence and wisdom and living, breathing things building and growing and going forward. And so it was really, I mean, Taya Matt was, was time and she was mat, matter, mother, mut in Egyptian, mutter, and, and, and also mat in the Egyptian, she was known as, mat or matter, mother. But Taya Matt had seven heads, this dragon. That's what the Bible calls Rahab the harlot, where in the Bible elsewhere it calls her Rahab the dragon. This divine seven-headed monster of time that dwells in the sea has seven heads because it's cyclical. You see, each head comes along in a graduation. First one head, then another and it goes all the way till it's resting, the seventh, which is a symbolic number the Bible uses as cyclical, as time. This is seven days in a week. And then seven times seven is 49. And on the 50th day is jubilee, rest, freedom, glory. It's over. And then we're ready for another cycle. But it has to do with time. So this is why... Yam is the sea, and it is Tiamat. It is our mother. It is time. It's really, they're, they're, they're not the same thing. So here comes this beautiful woman hovering. She's got wings. Well, she's in the sky. I thought our mother was earth. 
Well, there's a earth mother and there is a sky mother. There is a sky father and an earth father. But this beautiful divine bird, whatever, you know, that's why in the pictures of the Trinity, you always see the dove. Like There's the father, the son, and the dove. What they don't realize is that that's just a symbol of the mother. So she spreads her wings. She's always present when there's water. Remember at the flood, they let the doves go. And she's a symbol of great peace. But there's also the Mother Earth. Her womb is like a bottomless pit, the abyss, the ocean. So they're both called Mom, but they're just... One is the earthly Mom and the other one is the heavenly Mom. But anyway, um... You can see we've got a lot to go through. If we wanted to, we could spend an hour every day just going through several paragraphs or something in the Bible. It would probably take us a month of Sundays to get through the entire Bible. What I think we should do is we might do a little of this off and on. We're probably going to have other things we're going to want to talk about as well. But I want to keep this subject in mind because I think we can just completely not only help ourselves to understand all this, but if we could figure all this out and we could do this translation, I mean, yeah, we wouldn't be publishing a Bible. That was already published. And that was supposed to be how we got the word to the to the whole world. It's the gospel. But if we could translate this better, you know, and, and only someone with the Holy Spirit could do that. So we're going to have to have the Holy Spirit to do this because we're not just prophets, but we're interpreters. And it's only the Spirit that interprets the prophets who received it by Spirit. So anyway, guys, I'm going to go ahead and go now. We're over an hour. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And I hope the Lord will bless you tomorrow and the coming week and year. And have a good evening. We'll see you tomorrow.